even through bad times and good times, you have to do your long runs, your tempos and interval sessions. Just don't give up on them if they're not working that very moment. Keep doing it until it improves. And even if when it does improve, you don't change it. You just go back to the same basics, tempo runs, interval session, long run. Welcome to Chill Track Friday. This is Ali. Hi, it's Anne. Why don't Why don't we just get right into our contest that we mentioned last time? Yeah, so I think people are exciting and exciting, excited. <laughs> people are exciting. Yeah, people are very exciting <laughs> usually, especially runners. Um, people are excited and have been waiting for this for a while. So, what, know, what is this? Da da. Drum roll. Well. As you and I have discussed so many times, um, this podcast is, and you just mentioned this podcast is about, you know, people's journeys and individuals and how they came to running. And it's more of um, where they have come from. And we are going to start a contest where we're going to feature an athlete throughout their marathon, their fall marathon training cycle. And so what that's going to be is that we're going to, we're going to follow your training and we would have uh, Instagram updates with your workouts and the end of your marathon training cycle have you on as a guest so you get to talk about your complete journey and so we wanted this to be a collective experience for people to ex- to people to share in what you are experiencing because marathon training is it's you know it's easy to tie it up in a bow later but when you're in it it's really hard and we want athletes to also want to be really honest about where they are because it's not all you know, glory. It's it's tough, hard work, and we really want to be able to support you and have our community support you as well. And um, so we have like the, a couple logistics for it. Is just um, if you're interested in being a featured athlete. Oh, I forgot to mention that the back end of this is that we would be coaching you, and you don't have to have us as our as your coach. Many people have their own coaches or their own training plans, but we're certainly available to give you feedback and any kind of support. There's something about having accountability in a long uh, marathon training cycle, and we thought this would be a really great way for all of us to engage together. And so how do they apply? So how they apply is you write a little, um, just like a little bio, like your age and um, your goals and your running experience and your marathon that you're training for, when your training starts and when the race is. And you send all that information um, to our email, which is chilltrackfriday at gmail. Um, we would also like you to add just, you know, a short little paragraph about why you would like to be selected as our featured athlete. Nothing. You don't have to go nuts. It's not college. <laughs> but just a little bit about who you are and, and um, how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, and, I, I'm really excited for that because most of our guests, we have talked about their journey and it's been in the context of past of what ha- what's happened. So this would be almost like a live tracking of someone's journey and and. Oh, for all the all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, through the thick and thin of of a training cycle, and then seeing, you know, getting through that. Yeah, so really and depending exciting. upon how many people we have, you know, we could have more than one. We wouldn't have more than two, but um, so please, please engage and send us your little applications to chilltrackfriday at gmail dot com, and we will, um, you know, we'll take a, probably a couple of weeks to to um, figure things out because everyone's fall marathon training is starting soon so we want to get there right from the beginning um so that's the contest we hope you're excited and we're recording today on global running day Woo-hoo. happy global running day to everyone we went to the track ran a few miles 
to our beloved track and then we we did a p90x workout <laughs> let's not talk about that it was all right uh it was good it was good we're getting stronger <laughs> Uh, and then we ran back. So happy Global Running Day to everyone. And there were so many New York Roadrunner initiatives throughout New York going on today. So it was a, it was, it's just been a fun, fun day today. It's a really uh, fun day. Yeah. Um, but because of the schedule for our days today, it's actually the evening. And we didn't, we're not having coffee, but we did eat dinner. <laughs> and the name of the restaurant reminded me of um, a story that Ali, please... Can you share your story about Rain? The name of the restaurant from where we ate is called Rain. And Ali has the funniest story oh that my God. I think our listeners would enjoy. Okay, I'll, I'll tell the story about Rain. This has nothing to do with running, but I think it, it is a pretty funny story. So this was told to me by a coworker. It's a true story. It took place in Dallas, Texas. It was told. It had been told um, to me. It, it, it's from, uh, it just took place in Dallas, Texas. It was um, a, a family that adopted two Great Danes. Um, and one of them was named Rain. They named him Rain because he had these long uh, <laughs> black dots on him, and I think they remind it reminded them of the scene of the rain. Okay, try not to laugh on. I him. know it's so, going to be really hard not to. Laugh. Uh, so they they named the dog Rain. Anyway, they had they had them for a while, and one day Rain disappeared, and he he took off somewhere in the neighborhood, and um, and they were they they decided they were like, oh my god, where's Rain? What's going on? Um, at the same time, so they're like, okay, we have to go look for him. So they start, you know, they get in their car and try to go find the dog. But uh, while they're looking for the dog, it's, it's a, there's a torrential downpour taking place. (laughs) So they have their windows down while it's like raining outside and they're screaming, (laughs) driving around the neighborhood, rain, rain. So obviously people are kind of whoever's, you know, is listening to that, looking at them <laughs> screaming rain while it's raining, but they're looking for a dog. So they, they, needless to say, they got some weird looks. for. <laughs> to tie it back to Global Running Day earlier, I was like, well, what if you named a dog Global Running Day? And today you're like, Global Running Day. Yeah, if my dog went missing on Global Running Day and it was named Global Running Day, yeah. And just go around screaming Global Running Day. Yeah, we were going to do that at the track. Yeah. <laughs> we're such nerds. Okay. All right. I think our okay. listeners are probably like, what is wrong with... Them? Well, that story, had not, that wasn't us. So thank God. The rain story. <laughs> we didn't do that. I'm excited to have our guest on today. Yeah. Will you uh, tell or, us about him? So today we have Luis Porto. I'm just... I'm going to let him do most of the talking about his times and how fast he is and what his goals are he is grandma's marathon is coming up and he's been training for that for a while um so i'm actually excited to see what happens but that being said luis porto is one of our new york roadrunner group training coaches and he also runs for the central park track club Uh, and he's on the lightning side of things right like a 356 1500 meter runner uh, and he just ran 107 at brooklyn yeah and he just ran a 107 uh, a 67 minute half marathon at the brooklyn half marathon so that is that is absolutely incredible so let's talk to let's talk to someone who's at that level and has some really aggressive and solid dreams of where he wants to be with his running so we really hope you enjoy the conversation enjoy welcome to chill track friday lewis thanks for joining us thanks for having me it's so nice to have you. Thank you. 
So today was the um, Healthy Kidney 10K in Central Park, and you ran a scorching 3143, which is 507 pace. Yes. And that's 84 age percentile, which is like high national class <laughs> running. <laughs> You're an amazing runner. Um, you came second de- se- uh, 22nd of 7,698 people an eighth USA finisher. Hmm. It's incredible. And can you tell us about how you felt today and what the race was like? I mean, Central Park's a hard course. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Uh, It was definitely a hard course. Uh, I ran this race last year and I knew what I was going in for, but this week was kind of rough for me just because I was a little sick and I was a little congested. I thought it was like allergies, but I also had some like feverish symptoms and so not expecting the best of days, but it was the first day where I could breathe normally, and I decided that I wanted to help out the team in club points, so I definitely went out there, not expecting the best, but hoping for the best. So um, I took out like I was not sick. <laughs> I went through the 5K in around 15.30, and it was really aggressive, and I definitely paid for it later on in the race, but I'm glad I was able to finish, and it was still 12 seconds faster than last year, so I'm happy. Wow. for that but I do want a little faster in the future <laughs> that's incredible because people like outside of the New York area who might not have heard or know about the Healthy Kidney 10k placing 22nd in a race like this that has the front is super stacked because first of all there is a ton of money yes. that goes yeah. out for this 10k oh, yes. it's probably, it might be the most for any I don't know I'm maybe speaking out of time or maybe it in for any 10k in the US it might be the most money that comes out the yes. the first prize is i think 30,000 or I think something? it's 10,000 for the first guy but if he goes under the record he gets an extra $30,000 right. so yeah, that's amazing that happened last year yes that did happen last year blazing 2708 so <laughs> i can't imagine yeah. running that and people who haven't run in central park don't realize like it's it's yeah. not it's, an easy course there if you a 10k especially a 10k will give you Every single hill that yeah. uh, you know uh, Central Park. Park has to offer you, you only have, I think a, correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably like 400 to 600 meter stretch that's flat on the east side. Otherwise, you're probably either just somewhat going oh. down or up, or yes. a lot going down yeah. or up. Yes, yeah. definitely. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I totally that's agree. A hard one to it's pace. really hard. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, the splits were all over the place for, for me. Uh, but one of my guys from my team, one of my co-teammates, he actually paces really well. So he was five flats the whole way. And it's just kind of amazing how he did that. Uh, his name is Matt Rand. But yeah, I just always try to keep Wait, up so with he, him. He's like running, because <laughs> that confuses me, because on Central Park, right? Yes, like That's yes. so weird because... There are miles that are like majorly uphill yeah. compared to the downhill. So, but he like he he's trying to maintain that cadence though, even going up. Oh yeah, he was perfect. I think I looked back at his splits and it was five 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 flat, and then towards the end, right when he was about to finish up, it was a four fifty six last mile. And it's it's just like all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, incredible. Of that book. Tactically oh, yeah. speaking, that's interesting because that means he's taking his downhills as recovery, yes. probably right. Yeah. So he's not he's shooting not the downhills. Even, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Wow. <laughs> do you guys on your team, Central Park Track Club? Do you guys talk about race strategy, or do you just kind of figure it out on your own? I mean, you have so much experience with racing, which we'd yeah. like to talk about, but. 
I mean, how do you even approach a 10K when you're trying to get around a 30, 32 minute time? Uh, so for this one specifically, we I had a really good workout with one of the guys on the team and we ran like 506 pace for a tempo run and we didn't do Harlem Hill but we did the five mile loop Mm -hmm. and once that happened we were like we were we agreed upon staying at 505 for the first half of the race together and then attacking the second half really hard and that was probably the only strategy we kind of come up when that happens Mm -hmm. if we see we're in similar shape yeah we tag team and try to help out during the races but aside from that we don't um, just sit down and try to come up yeah. with like our own strategies like our coach will come up to us individually and try to tell us what we should do and what mm-hmm. strengths we have and whatnot That's really cool. that shows a lot of experience that you yeah. you're working together first of all we can talk about the benefits of being on a team and what group dynamics do and how that pushes you further so can you talk about a little bit about that like how do you so you did a five mile tempo for a 10k to see where you land and based off of that decide um, so what what are you looking for in terms of, in that tempo run? What are you looking for in terms of effort, pace, and like how, you know how do you actually came came up with five hundred five? And do you have different approaches for different distances? Okay, so mm-hmm. for this specific workout, um, his my buddy's name is Ben, yeah. and he texts me and he tells me, oh, uh, I see that you're going on Tuesday, and I'm shooting for five fifteen. Are you shooting for five fifteen? I'm tell him yes, I I will be shooting for five fifteen, mm-hmm. and I know Ben for being really really a person that goes really hard in workouts so mm-hmm. i'm in my mind already thinking that's gonna be faster than 515 <laughs> right and so we get to the loop and we start and the first mile goes by at 508 and we look at each other and at that point it didn't really hurt but we knew that we needed to be a little conservative and we decided just keep it around that pace and we worked out the whole way 508s 508s and then we were able to bring it down to 459s and that just felt really good and at uh-huh. one point we felt really relaxed at 459 so we knew we were in really good shape and we just cruised it with 459 last mile uh-huh. it was good um but usually like i think it's just we have a set plan for mm-hmm. a day like we talked about 515 but we didn't do five for teams, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. um, but we just felt felt it out. So it's just more of a feeling out and not overdoing it because we were fine at four fifty nine for the last mile, but we could have gone faster. But we pulled in the reins just because it's a tempo day and not our race day. So. Right. And do you run with Ben a lot? Like, do you guys know you're running? Uh yes. We recently, yeah. He we've been running a lot together, especially in workouts. He does his like recovery runs on his own but he's really infamous for being really fast in all of his runs mm-hmm. so i've heard from teammates that he does like 630 recovery runs 630 mile pace <laughs> recovery runs is like all right let me keep away from ben and my recovery right. days yeah. <laughs> what kind of paces do you do on your recovery days uh i i've in the past i've been guilty of like racing my watch and like mm-hmm. trying to run 640 average and stuff like that but now that i've picked up my mileage i like i love the 730 or slower and then gradually pick it up and nothing super mm-hmm. serious nothing super fast that's yeah. such a good thing to hear that someone that's racing <laughs> at 507 pace is yeah. doing 730 easy runs yeah hear mm-hmm. that everybody yeah. <laughs> so you, you used the phrase racing your watch can you can you define that what that is for other mm. for some other people too yes so uh so when i go on my run sometimes i look down on my watch and i see that i'm going 730 but i feel like i'm going faster and so i decide i want to go faster and i start 
picking up the pace until my watch resembles something that I want, but <laughs> not, maybe what my body doesn't want to do. Right. And so that's that was just a really bad habit, having all this technology on your wrist and knowing that you could, you're not going the same pace as the other day or why you're not feeling so well as the other day. And with experience, I've come to know that like some days are not going to be as great as others, so you got to take it with great and assault. Mm. Sometimes it's better to leave the watch at home if you know that you're going to race your watch or you know it's not going to be a great day. Right. If you know your certain routes or how long it's going to be, maybe just leave it at home and it's mm-hmm. probably a little better. That's nice. I like to hear you say that. <laughs> That's really neat. Um, now, I know that you're training for Brooklyn. Yes. So was this... Um, <clears throat> I mean, I know you've been doing a lot of mileage and it's really exciting. I can't wait to see what you do. Was this race um, maybe like a tune-up for that or a testing ground for you? Oh, definitely. We When I sat down with my coach and we made the plan for Brooklyn, this was one of the races where we wanted to run really well and see where we are we, where we are in fitness. And it was definitely a build-up towards Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So kind of disappointing, but I had a really big breakthrough the week bef- like two weeks ago and the 10K on the track. And mm-hmm. that was... So I'm still, I still have some kind of confidence going into Brooklyn. So yeah, and to do what you did after being sick for the week is <laughs> incredible. You've got to factor that in too. Um, yeah, so you do a lot of track running. Yes. Um, I was honored to get to watch you do the 5K in the Armory <laughs> at the end of last year, and I remember your last. I think your last three laps were 28 seconds. And that's on a 200 meter track. So, what pace is that? 28 seconds. That's like <laughs> <laughs> Six, 152 is like maybe 354 yeah. pace. 28 second lap. Yeah. At the end of a 5K. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And you made it look so easy. <laughs> I mean, that race was actually really, really funny. Um, I think one of my teammates overtook me with like three or four laps to go. And at that point, I hadn't had too many workout weeks in uh, under me like I had just come back from vacation and I decided I was like all right today is not my day I my teammate's gonna take it and it's gonna be a great day for him and yeah. I will be happy with what I get and then I see this North Brooklyn runner go by both of us and that's when I like something turned on to me and like we can't lose oh, no. <laughs> like we both can't lose to this guy yeah. and he was just picking it up and I was like all right we have to go so I just like started inching my way back up in the race and I had a big kick at the end and it was just nice to put it on and know that it was still there (laughs) after vacation. It was so beautiful to watch. (laughs) Thanks. That sounds great. It's beautiful to watch. It's amazing what you did, but there's a lot of heart in this, right? (laughs) Like in those three laps. Can you describe like how you feel or ignore the pain that (laughs) that that uh, Roberto Manje's advice at the end of a four miler or he's like ignore the pain I'm like but it's like coming from my brain yeah <laughs> that's true that's true um <clears throat> yeah during the race like three laps to go I, my la- my body wasn't feeling great I wasn't feeling great whatsoever and I knew I had reached my capacity but like something just snapped when that happened and it was just like an adrenaline rush and not there wasn't so much pain during the first rush of like moving up and trying to pass this guy it sort of kicked in the last 50 meters where my body was like reaching its limits i believe and i was just getting pulled back by my body but all my Mm. mind wanted to just cross the line first and i just didn't know where this guy was so i was just like trying Mm. to push and push further and further so that's what it felt like in the last 50 meters but at at the beginning it wasn't so bad so maybe i was holding back a little bit in the race but who knows yeah that's That's incredible that mind can like you can actually tip that yeah right? it's that's yeah. really well put i totally relate to the like 
feels like your body is pulling you back. Yeah but you're still going at the same pace, but it's just feels so much harder. We talk about how mm-hmm. it takes so much more effort to maintain the same pace at the end of a race yes. to mm-hmm. then also try to pick it up is even harder. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. You're an incredible runner. Um, so you have been running since you were eight years old Yes, and you said that you came up through the young runner program, which was called the mighty milers. Yes. Can you tell us just kind of about your experience from, um, it's basically cradle to track. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How did it start? Yeah. Yes. So um, when I was a kid, I was I was really asthmatic. So mm-hmm. I would be in and out of the hospital like every other week. <clears throat> wow. So I had a pretty weak lungs when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And by the third grade, uh, there was this program with Mighty Milers in my school. And a lot of my buddies were joining. And I decided to give it a shot. And mm-hmm. ever since, it's stuck on. And it's uh, it's amazing. Uh I grew up with running and I my first race was at the armory and I was just like I was hooked right after the first race and it, it was it's been life-changing for me for sure wow. um, did um, did you have struggles with your asthma while you started running at, at first yes um, it was really hard to go for longer runs and once I started taking it a little more seriously I did notice that I I wasn't I, I couldn't keep up as well with other the other kids and it was rough uh, especially during winter time when it was colder outside it, mm-hmm. those were those were one of the triggers for my asthma and I I eventually came over I got over it and my mom pushed me further and further to just do like she built this competitive edge in me and it just took over and I and I just improved 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 and it's it's been a long way coming yeah that, that must have been, was, were you scared? That would seem like it would be scary, like not knowing if you were going to have an asthma attack or yeah. if you'd be able to breathe. Like that's a big hurdle to get over. Yes. Uh, I think my mom was scared, more scared than I was. I was having fun. Oh, good. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a little cautious at the end. Uh, I remember my mom telling me, just take five minutes, just sit down, relax for five minutes. But I was just having the time of my life and it was awesome. And it was great. It was, it was I wouldn't have done it any other way in my youth, and racing just meant so much to me when I was a kid, so. What was the distance of that first race you did? It was a 200-meter race at (laughs) the Armory, and I did win my first race there, so that was, (laughs) of course, I'm going to be hooked on after winning the first race ever. Uh, I've I've always had some speed in me, so that that definitely helped out with the 200-meter, and after that, I thought I was a 200-meter runner, and I (laughs) wanted to go out after everything. I wanted to go after Michael Johnson's record, and it was just like, oh, yes, I'm going to be a sprinter, and one of the coaches within the Mighty Mileage program noticed that I wasn't a 200 meter runner and he just started training me and pushing me to further distances and that's where it kind of started. He had a little club on the side called the Rabbits Club and it was a little youth group that had a bunch of kids that trained more regularly than our school and he kind of recruited us, well me and my other friend, to join that team just because he thought that we'd be a good addition to it and it worked out really well. And. We had a lot of success, and we I ran some pretty good times when I was a kid. I think by the age of 13, I broke five in the mile. And at 13, I ran my first half marathon, which was a 127. And it was just like, we were just rolling with it. It was amazing. It was great. It was just, yeah, yeah. And so um, what distance did you eventually settle into as your favorite? Oh, the mile. The, the mile, mile is, yeah. is everyone's favorite, I feel like. Um, <laughs> it's just the perfect mixture of like distance and speed. And I think that's where I kind of fell into in between. Like I have speed, but not 
top end speed like Usain Bolt, and mm-hmm. I have some endurance, but not top end endurance like some of my other teammates that could beat me in the four mile. So ever ever since I like performed really well that the Fifth Avenue mile, I was like, oh, this is definitely my distance. Oh, so, that's so cool. Yeah. What's your mile PB? My mile PB is four fifteen. <laughs> I know you've raced on on the track for fifteen hundred as well, right? Yes. Yeah, and what's your PB there? Uh, three fifty six for the fifteen. Wow. <laughs> I forgot my question. <laughs> I just got 356. Um, no, what are, if you were to just think on from the top of your head, what are some of your favorite memories of youth running? <laughs> a, a race, a, I don't know, a workout, or it might not even be. One of my favorite memories is uh, it's almost quitting after a run. Mm. Uh, okay. Just because I look back now, it's like, what if I would have quit? What would have my life would have been like? And it was a seven mile run, and I was probably like eleven years old or something like that. And I remember I was just tired in the middle of it, and I just couldn't will myself to like go any faster or try to keep up with the group. And I was just falling behind, and I was just miserable. And I was thinking to myself, as soon as I get back home and tell my mom I'm gonna quit, like there's no way I'm doing this any further. Like I'll just find another sport. And then at the end of it. It just washed away like <laughs> just talking with my friends and all that just kind of like yeah I'll be here next week oh, <laughs> so good. that's one of my fondest memories just because it was so hard but at the end of it I was still with it and mm. at this point in my life I look back and I say what if I would have quit what if that would have been my last run but I'm glad I stuck with it for sure it's amazing like what what we kind of can go through during runs and what the runs get us through at the same time so it's almost like when we dream our subconscious is working stuff out i feel like that happens when we're running too now on your bio for roadrunners um you alluded to how running helped pay for your college did you go on scholarship yes so um (laughs) i didn't give it much thought when i was in high school of running in college but I've got a call from the coach from San Francisco College, and he was—he asked me if I was interested in joining the program, and I was definitely interested. I didn't have the greatest track times in high school, that's why I was a little confused of like getting reach, reached out to. But yeah, that was that was an amazing opportunity for me. He definitely offered some scholarship money and it helped pay for school, so it was just another way of just adding to my track career and learning more. And at this point of my track career in high school, I wasn't being coached really well it was just me and my mom on a track with a stopwatch just making up workouts uh just yeah we were just winging it uh doing hills or one lap fast one lap slow type of things and it was just really really basic stuff and i think like after i had that conversation with the san francis coach he just noticed that we could definitely benefit from tempo runs and interval runs and stuff that i just never heard of before and 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 he sold me on it i was on board from day wow. one yeah does your mom have a running background uh she was actually Skills? a sprinter when she was in puerto rico she was she's puerto rican and my father was a distance runner uh so i do have some genetic background <laughs> in it so I that's where it is <laughs> that's where it is yes <laughs> yep how cool wow yeah. oh that's so amazing that your mom was your first coach yeah wow. yeah she must be really proud of you oh yeah it's also really hard too because 
she knows track times. Right. And so <laughs> I'd go home from a race after a track meet or something. I'd tell her what, she, what I ran. She looks at me. That was that was horrible. What, what happened? And it's like, Mom, I, I came second. He's like, you could have run better. <laughs> and yeah. I love the objectivity in this case, mm-hmm. like, because your mom knows what that is. And she's like, she's not going to stroke like any false egos or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so <laughs> great. so funny. What was your team like at college? Was uh, it big? Uh, it wasn't a big team. We were a small team. We didn't have that big of a budget. Uh, but I was one of the only distance runners on the team. And so the guys would look at me like I'm crazy doing all this mileage or like these longer reps at practice. And everybody just had a skewed perspective on what, what I did. But over the years, we got a little bigger in our distance program. And I just found other people that like distance running like I did and that was a good experience but it, at most there was like four or five of us that were really into the distance team so oh, wow. but it was a nice community I I love my track team and they're great and I still keep in contact with them until this day so oh, that's great. nice do yeah. any of them live here yes uh, they some well all in different boroughs mm-hmm. so it's really hard to get us all together yeah. but when we do come together it's always about talking about track times or how our glory days were glory. in college sitting <laughs> there behind us and whatnot yeah do you do any of them still run uh some of them do but not super competitively no, like they they kind of like got away from it or yeah it's a thing where like running you gotta really like it to to keep with it after at college i believe because it's just after college and it's really hard to just keep being competitive in that in that way that you were in college and I think it just takes a really big toll after college and people just want to step away from it and be normal human beings where you just go to go to work and go back home and don't have to do some crazy interval session at the track yeah. and some long run on the weekends it's just like you become a regular human and I think a lot of them were looking forward to that when they graduated so <laughs> just step away from that life yeah and like the requ- the requisite recovery time yes yeah. we were joking about doing all the PT and stretching and strengthening <laughs> Ollie was like I just want to watch TV in peace <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes like not having so to use the lot radical. that goes into it yeah. yeah speaking of being super competitive when you're going to your races and especially today you wanted to score points for your team even though you were sick you still went and you worked out a plan with ben but usually the like the track races and the you know some of the races that you really train for do you look up your competitors beforehand like who's who's there how you're you know and what can you walk us through like what what thoughts go through your head in terms of planning for that oh my god this is such a tips too yes (laughs) this is such a huge deal in college um we have this website called tfers tfrs and before your races whenever the heat sheets came out for your track meet uh you would look up everybody that's in your heat just to see if they lied about their seed time or what they run in the past or how good are they and it's just it's just like some it got to the point where coaches wouldn't tell us the the heat sheets just because they didn't want us to do this and try to psych ourselves out so we just look up everyone so it's just obsessive looking at people and i still i'm still guilty to this day to of doing it like i i really like knowing what my competitors have are doing this season i want to know if that's just going to be a good heat or is this going to be a bad heat or like what did i get myself into so it's definitely definitely a thing and i I feel like if you're a track nerd like a real track nerd you really 
really love looking at those statistics for sure and i am really guilty of that for sure do you do that for road races as well uh i it's much harder for road races because there's no announced heat sheet like Mm -hmm. you won't know who's going to run that race and so it's a little harder for that but if there was a way, I would be doing it. <laughs> I'd be doing it like I was doing in college. Yes. I look for people in the live tracker the night before. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. That's a good tip. I'm going to take I that. Admit that. I was kind of circling back to that point. I was like, any tips for Anne? Um, <laughs> uh, that's super cool. That's great. Like, it shows a level of planning, too, and understanding the field, right? Yes. A lot of times we talk about you racing yourself, but at a certain level, you you, you want to know the field, and yes. you're racing others, too, so you can oh, know where, um, how you're going to exert and who runs what way. Like, yeah, exactly. Even your own teammates, like you said, yeah. like, okay, I'm, Ben can do his recovery runs, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do mine, because I know how different people, definitely, different definitely. people run yeah. and what their distances are and things like that. And you're really at the top of your age group. I mean, you won the runner of the year recently, right? No, I was actually just nominated. I lost this to one, so, yeah. But you won one time before, right? I won it four times as a a younger younger age group, for sure, yeah. But you're on the... I feel like getting nominated is kind of like winning. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a harder age group now, 20 to 24. There's some really, really fast guys in the scene within that age group, so... A goal would be to win it this year, but so far, so good, I feel like, yeah. It's always cool. I love seeing you on the out and back races, like the Washington Heights 5K oh, yeah. and the Bronx. Yeah. We're coming in and like seeing you with the leaders. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> How did you get into coaching with Roadrunners? So I recently, like, well, I started r- working at the Run Center and I was talking a lot to Bobby and Bobby was just telling me all about the coaching there and whatnot. And I was interested and I reached out to Stuart and funny enough, Stuart was like, oh, yes, we'll gladly have you on. And he, I believe, I don't remember what he said exactly, but he was, if you could break this time in this race, we'll accept you. <laughs> so Stuart. It was such a Stuart thing now that I look back on it. And he was like, oh, no, just kidding. Of course, like, just come shadow and it'll be great. And yeah, it was uh, from there on. It was great. Yeah, I love coaching and group training and seeing how people improve and how people get stronger over the session is just really exciting to me to see people get stronger and faster and know and doing it the right way. It's just like the way Stuart does it where there's a tempo on Thursday and there's an interval session on Tuesday. It's just how we did it in college and I feel like it's really valuable and can get people in really, really good shape. Yeah, I've seen your coaching style, which is really very supportive and nurturing and you're um you're very, I feel like the theme amongst the running community is very humble. Yeah. And you're a very humble runner, but you have so much experience. And I've watched you, there are very few coaches that can run with certain people in some of the group sessions because they're just really fast, outliers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're the one like, oh, we'll put Lewis on him. <laughs> <laughs> Ends up like one-on-one session for the guy who's doing yeah. and then you, three minute kilometer repeats. <laughs> yeah. And then you grab your bag and you're off to do your own workout and you've just been running like 450 pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those Tuesdays and Thursdays are definitely rough days. I I have the group training in the morning and then I have workouts in the afternoon or sometimes right after group training I'd have to like rush over and do my workout. But it's definitely made me a stronger runner. I feel like it just add on to adds on to mileage and it just shows over the year I've done group training that I've gotten faster, not slower. So I feel like That's it's great. definitely helping. It's helping athletes helping me. That's good. Where's your favorite place to train? Uh, so recently, 
I was thinking about that just because I'm I'm trying to move out with my girlfriend and we're trying to move into Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And I'm just thinking about places to run in Brooklyn. And I was just realized how important Central Park is to me, just how easy it is to get yeah. to and just like knock out some a 10 miler, just mm-hmm. how accessible it is and not little park, not a little park like Prospect Park where I'd have to probably do like three laps just to get 10 miles. Yeah. So definitely Central Park is my go-to nice. and I appreciate it more now thinking about it than I ever did. So yeah, yeah that's my go-to. special place. Definitely. Are you guys looking in Prospect Park area? Prospect Park no, area? we're looking in the Bay Ridge area. Okay. So it's a little far too. So I'll probably end up running along the river yeah. or something there. I'll have to figure something out. It's pretty yeah. there. Yeah. I've done some runs out there. So you, you're running at a pretty high level, right? Like you must have had to deal with injuries from time to time. What are What have been some of the most troublesome and how have you dealt with them? Luckily, in the recent years, I haven't dealt with an injury. I've just been really, really strong, and I, I, it's hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. But my freshman year in college, I did get a stress fracture in my right leg, and that was really bad. Um, I was just trying to work out as much as I could and trying to become this level of athlete that I was in high school, and I was just trying so hard and running through pains that I shouldn't have been running through, mm-hmm. and it became a stress fracture and that was probably the most depressing three months of my life I just didn't know what to do I was at home I was just watching races and wishing to be back out there and just it was just a miserable time in my life where I was injured uh but luckily from then on I've just been really healthy and been really smart of picking up my mileage like I don't jump into higher mileage I like ease my way into it Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, it was definitely a learning experience for sure. Yeah, you're yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> it, I feel like it takes one injury to figure that out. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <clears throat> What's your favorite distance to watch? Ooh. I'd have to say the mile. <laughs> Just yeah. I'm yeah. a big, big fan of the mile. We... We only do it here in the U.S. and I feel like it's just the magical thing of like going on the four. It's just so awesome and seeing people go on the four is so exciting and mm-hmm. it's just the great. I think it's the best distance to watch and the best distance to run. And I'm a great big fan of the mile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> big fan of the mile. So you're running Fifth Avenue Mile? All yes. Year, yes. Yeah, okay. I wanted to run it when I was in college, but it was in the middle of our cross country season, and my coach was. Mm-hmm. Big no, just all the time. Can I run it? No, no way. And you get to run it. Yeah, exactly. But I don't get to run it in my mile shape just because it's really early in the year for people that do track, track and field. Um, it's just where people are starting to build up for the indoor season. So mm-hmm. it's just that weird period where I will never be in great mile shape unless I like reschedule something in the summer and try to get into really great mile shape for September. Do you do any like kind of sharpening workouts before it? Uh, not even yeah, our wow. our coach is so is so focused on like the track and field season that mm-hmm. we don't even sharpen up for it. We just do regular tempo runs and hill repeats, and that's what, how we go into that race. And it's it's not the best way to go into a mile race because you want to practice like what you're gonna, what pace you're going to be running there. And we don't <laughs> we just go you in know. there with just our strength and what we what we've done in the summer. So yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's a good another good plug for the importance of strength and mileage. Yes, and that you can be fast. The speed can be there without yeah. necessarily chopping away at it. Yeah, yeah. 
I forgot my question again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on long run brain today. Like, totally. Ali hosted. And I thought I had a really good one. <laughs> I'm sure it will come to you. Yeah. We got up really early to watch the London Marathon okay. this morning. I went over to Ali's house, and that was pretty incredible. Um, if you can elaborate on your quotation, chop wood and carry water in terms of running and your coaching philosophy. And- oh, definitely. Um, it was probably the one of the most memorable conversations I had with my coach. He sat us all down after a workout. And at this point, there were some kids, there were some teammates of mine that weren't showing up to workouts or just missing some runs. And he just sat us down. He was pretty angry. And he told us, you have to be dedicated to what you do. And you have to come to these workouts where tempo runs and long runs and interval sessions and whatnot. You have to be here if you want to perform because if there is all, on, all eyes on you when you go to the track and they'll see if you worked or not. And he said, it's like an essential for running. It's like your tempo run and interval sessions are essential for your running to for you to improve just like it was essential for life to chop wood and carry water. You just got to keep doing it. You just got to keep showing up. And it was it just stuck to me. And I just love that. Like even through bad times and good times, you have to do your long runs, your tempos and interval sessions. Just don't give up on them if they're not working that very moment. You keep doing it until it improves. And even if when it does improve, you don't change it. You just go back to the same basics, tempo runs, interval session, long run, just like you have to carry, chop wood and carry water just to survive. Because it's easy, easy for us to like get in a rut and then give up. Yes, it could happen, right? Because running a lot of times is this for a lot of recreational people. It's just side activity, right? So, mm-hmm. and if you if you're a really competitive person and you're not getting what you want out of it, it can be really easy to not see how like the longevity of the sport is so much more important than than anything else. Definitely. Um, I remember my question. Uh, <laughs> going back to that, <laughs> between running recovering from those runs and coaching and work is there something else that Lewis likes to do uh <laughs> i'm not sure if there I, I said all the other things because i'm not sure if there's like, much time <laughs> left <laughs> eat <laughs> i do love eating i eat a lot especially with this mileage but uh i definitely just like <laughs> my schedule doesn't allow for a lot of free time and mm-hmm. I, when i'm when I'm done with a run, I really want to recover and mm-hmm. just go home and probably take a nap and whatnot. But my life is really centered around running. I mm-hmm. go coach, I go do my workout, and then I go re- work for running. So yeah. it's just like everything is about running. And I do like hanging out with my friends. I do do things like that, but everybody around me is also a runner. Right. So yeah, I'm just really centered around running. But I do read books when I when I'm on the MTA just cuz like those long commutes you have to get through mm-hmm. and I put away a lot of books just on the MTA and I oh, love Oh good you do take the train not yes. just run everywhere. Okay, got it. I did that for a time actually. <laughs> not the best idea. <laughs> you show up sweaty everywhere and yeah. people don't like it. So don't recommend. That's funny. What kind of mileage are you doing now before Brooklyn? So, I before this build up, I Respected mileage a lot just because I got hurt in the past uh, doing trying to do high mileage, and so I worked it out where seventy was probably going to be my max any any for any buildup, and I did that for two weeks the year before this one, and 
I just felt like a mess. I didn't think I was gonna be able to hold it, and I just held it for two weeks, and I was like, fine, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'll go back to 50 and 60. But this time around, like, I saw how Midas was helping my teammates, and they were becoming faster, and they were just running 100-mile weeks, and their endurance was mm. crazy, and I was like, we, we gotta give it a try. Mm-hmm. So I decided to sign up for the Brooklyn. Well, not sign up, but I won a lottery whatnot. <laughs> and, um, and then I just decided to do more mileage. So now, at my highest, I hit a 90-mile week, and that was a big, big step. But wow. I did baby steps to get there. Yeah, How did sure. you feel that week? It was, it didn't hit me the week of, yeah. it hit me the week after. Yeah. <laughs> I was really tired the week after that 90 mile week. And I, the biggest symptom was just bigger appetite. Yeah. <laughs> I was just even That's more hungry. Symptom. My favorite <laughs> symptom. <laughs> I get like lack of focus. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I start forgetting my questions for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you've just had a really big week. Yeah, in a long time, I hit 62 this week, so it's been awesome. Lot. Yeah. Um, what is What are Lewis's dreams, what is, especially dreams? in running? Um, I want to try this marathon distance, so I just signed up for Grandma's Marathon, uh-huh. and I just have this time of 219 in my head just because of the Olympic trial qualifiers 219 Mm -hmm. and so i just really want to work towards that and i feel like it'll be a great thing to like check off my bucket list and i made it that far or had had that time or ability to do that and it'll be great to tell afterwards that i accomplished that so that's the major running goal that i have congratulations that's an amazing goal And how brave of you to A, come up with it, and B, say that. (laughs) Seriously. Well, we're here to support you the whole way. My God, that is incredible. How do you even, I mean, will you work with a coach to help you get there? Uh, So, yeah, there's a couple, there's two guys in our team that are working their way to get there. And I think that's where it kind of came from. Like, I Mm -hmm. look forward, I look up to these guys, and they're really fast, so... Uh, I just started doing workouts with them and I saw myself gradually getting better and being able to hold on to them. And at that point, I was just thinking, I was like, why, why not go for it? Mm-hmm. If they're doing it, why can't I either? Mm-hmm. So uh, I just talked to my coach and she thought I was crazy moving up from the mile to the marathon. <laughs> she, she just didn't make any sense of it, but she was fine with it and we made a plan. So at the end of our episodes you should, I think you already asked him the, the training <laughs> tip with the, with the chop wood and carry water bit but if you had one training tip for our listeners what would that be? The biggest tip I can I think I can give is uh, patience mm-hmm. It uh, running takes a lot of patience even during training and during a race itself you just have to be really patient patient to see the benefits of your training and patience during a race so you don't go out too fast or make a move too early it was the one word my co- my track coach in college screamed at me while all the other coaches were like screaming, let's go, like push the pace. And I could j- always hear my coach just really calmly saying, patience, mm. just wait yeah. for the perfect moment. And I think that's the biggest tip ever, that just have patience with both running, uh, working out, and racing as well. To be running a race and then hearing all the let's go, let's go, and then being able to pick out your coach saying, patience, that's... <laughs> 
Very settling. That's really settling. <laughs> and it says something about you. Yeah. That that's what resonated with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was saying patience just because he knew the look in my face. I'm oh. ready to go. <laughs> but yeah. he was just trying to rein me in right. for sure. But, right. it, but for you to remember years, that, yeah. right? Like yeah. saying, taking that out of most of the stuff. That's pretty cool. I like how you put it into the micro and then the macro. Yeah. It's true. Because it can be really hard. I mean, we were just watching the end of the London Marathon. Yes. And, I mean, Kipchoge having the confidence and the patience to wait to yes. kind of drop the last three guys to mile 25, basically. Mm-hmm. 23 to 25 is yeah. when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of control. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, Louis. Thanks. Good luck at Brooklyn. Thank we'll you. We'll be following you. Sounds great. <laughs> Bye, listeners. See you next week. Bye.